Ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends, welcome to a very special episode of Keep on Tolkien. Tonight, on Tolkien Mysteries, we explore the strange, we explore the cryptic, we explore the puzzling, the baffling, the enigmatic, the inexplicable. Many aspects of the Tolkien legendarium remain unknown to this very day. Join us tonight as we examine three mystifying stories. This is Tolkien Mysteries. The years of the trees. Never has there been a more blissful time in all of Arda. The trees of Yavanna, Laurelin, and Telperion flood the land of Valinor with their magical light. This is the time that Melkor plotted to take his revenge upon the Valar. He sought for the help of an ancient evil creature, the spider-like being known as Ungoliant. But who is Ungoliant? Where do they come from? What are their goals and motives? These and other things remain a Tolkien mystery. And later, there are few events in the Legendarium more lamentable than the fall of Gondolin. Brought down by the treachery of Maglin, the city of Gondolin was ravaged. Thousands of years later, the blades Glamdring and Orchrist are found in a troll horde in Eriador. How did they get there? Why were they there? What bizarre course of events had occurred for this to come to be? All these things and more remain a Tolkien mystery. Tonight, we explore the mystery of the Gondolin treasures. But finally, Frodo and his companions meet many strange and wonderful beings. One of these is the being who calls himself Tom Bombadil. Bombadil shows characteristics that no other being in Middle-earth has. He is unaffected by the ring and wants nothing at all to do with it. How can this be? Exactly who is Bombadil? And what are his motives? And could they even be sinister in nature? These are Tolkien Mysteries. Hey, hey, hey there, gang. I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. And I'm Trevor D. And we are Keep, Keep on, on Tolkien. That was a good one, guys. That was yeah. a good one. Man, it, the, the crowd's getting bigger. Yeah, it really is. It's really filled out there, huh? How are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Are you asking me or are you asking people at home? Well, I suppose that was like the the royal you guys. You <laughs> oh, know, yeah. The, the royal. The, the general you guys. Well, the general, yeah. the audience. Well, I hope you're doing fine, Joel, and I hope everyone at home is I doing I suppose it would be pointless for me to ask someone that can't answer, but <laughs> how are you doing, Danny? Yeah, I hope you guys are all having the best day. I'm Yeah, I'm day. having an all right day. Like, but But the royal you, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, today's a very special episode of KOT, but before we get into it, let's do some announcements. Yeah, don't forget to check out our merch store, now available online. Go to keep-on-tolkien-podcast.tmail.com. 
and uh, go check out all of our designs. They're all made by us and our friends. Yeah, Trevor made uh, made one of them. He made the shafted T-shirt. Yeah, buddy. And that's my favorite one. It's my favorite too. It's so cool. I love the shafted T-shirt. It's got all the fun shafted characters on it. It's a shafted fucking cool guys check yeah, it we out we've even got like stickers and tote bags now oh, oh yeah there's all kinds of stuff yeah all kinds of stuff check it out today Capitalism. woo woo selling our souls yeah we are hypocrites uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. it's not hard to be all right guys well today Let's get into it. Today's a very special episode of KOT, if you haven't uh, figured that out already. Yeah, that intro that intro was a lot of fun. Yeah. So today, we have Tolkien Mysteries. We've talked about this for a while. Yeah, we've kind of uh, tossed this idea back and forth for a little bit. Yeah, and we actually hope to do this as a series in the future. It's a fun little parody of Unsolved Mysteries and similar type shows. Yeah, you guys might remember that old from mystery the 90s. show from like the 90s yeah. and the early 2000s. Yeah. Right. It scarred me as a kid. It's scary because it's like that. Then people are still out there. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like this. Sh- this was on the air the same time like X Files was. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yep. totally. Dude, right that, in that, that same era. Yeah, same of, era. Both of these were like, okay, yep. I'm having nightmares tonight. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I am pissing the bed tonight. Yeah, so today we are going to kind of take that format of Unsolved Mysteries, and we're going to cover three of the most prevalent Tolkien mysteries in his legendarium. And there are very few things in Tolkien that remain unexplained. Yeah, I would say most everything is really, really fucking explained. But there are some things that are kind of open-ended. Yes, so today in this episode, we will be having fun bits introducing the story, like you heard already. And then some info and excerpts like you used to, you know, regular KOT. And then we're also going to have some fun theories uh, of our own and from the internet too. Hell yeah. It's going to be a fun, uh, it's going to be a fun day. I'm pretty excited about this one. I'm real excited. Me too. If we do make more than one of these, I am all over it. That. Yeah. I feel like we could do a bunch of these. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Let's get into it. Yeah. Let's get into our mysteries. 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 (laughs) It was during the bliss of Valinor that Melkor sought to take his revenge on the Valar and Noldor in one fell swoop. For him to hatch his ultimate revenge, he will ally himself with a creature, the origins of which remain a mystery. On Goliath, the Gloomweaver, was a spirit in the likeness of a giant spider. She craved only to consume all and bathe the world in her horrible unlight. Angaliant was originally unwilling to help Melkor, for she knew no master and she feared the light of the Valar. In order for Angaliant to help Melkor exact his revenge, he must make her a great promise. He would deliver her all she could consume. Yay, with both hands. It was a time of festival in Valinor when Melkor and Ongoliant struck. Shrouded in her own light, they approached the Azelohar, the mound where the trees of Yavanna were planted. Melkor struck the trees with his spear. As the sap flowed out, 
on Galeon used her grotesque spider beak to drink the sap of the trees. They withered and died. Unsated, Ungaliant drained dry the wells of Varda and became swollen to a humongous size. And Melkor was afraid. Swollen and routed, Ungaliant and Melkor went to plunder the treasure of Formenos. All but Finway fled in terror and Ungaliant shrouded the city in her horrible unlight. They slew Finway and took the treasure of Formenos, including the precious Silmarils. Ungaliant proceeded then to eat all of the treasure, swelling to an even greater size. When Melkor withheld the Silmarils from her, she snapped. Her huge size was able to overcome even Melkor. He was so helpless in the webs of Ungaliant that he called for his Balrog cohorts from Angband. After the confrontation, Ungaliant settled for a while in Ered Gorgoroth, having many spawns. She later moved into the south, passing out of all knowledge. So goes the story of Ungaliant. Shrouded in mystery, we may never know the truth. Who or what was Ungaliant? Where did she come from? What were her motives? What was her mysterious unlight? And how did it work? We may never know. Ungaliant, the Gloomweaver, is now and may forever be a Tolkien mystery. Wow, that was really fun, guys. <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> Hopefully you're enjoying that. So if you haven't guessed the next, uh, the first, the first in our list of mysteries tonight. Yes. Uh, very, very popular mystery, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, Ungaliant and the origins of which. Yeah. Where does she come from? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Ungaliant first. Yeah. So, so she could be described as an evil spirit in the form of a giant spider, but it is stated that she is not counted among the Ainur, the, the spirit beings. Right. Which means she's not Maiar or Valar. Right. Which uh, there are some interpretations where she and her, and her offsprings are, are, are but Maiar. that's kind of not true. No. No, it's not. <laughs> now, it is also specified that their gender... Ungaliant's gender is female, and her origins are ultimately unknown. Yeah, it's actually only really speculated on by the Eldar. We've got a quick excerpt here from The Darkening of Valinor in the Quintessil Marillion. The Eldar knew not whence she came, but some have said that in ages long before she descended from the darkness that lies about Arda. When Melkor for first looked down in envy upon the kingdom of Manwë. And that in the beginning, she was one of those who had corrupted to his service. But she had disowned her master, desiring to be mistress of her own lust, taking all things to herself to feed her emptiness. And she fled to the south, escaping the assaults of the Valar and the hunters of Orome, for their vigilance had ever been to the north, and the south was long unheeded. Yeah, what kind of creepy crawlies... 
were, you know, living down there. Yeah. I didn't realize it. It actually specifically says that she was allied with Melkor at one point prior to teaming up with him again. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. I didn't realize that either. So that's something new. So in the years of the trees, she lived in the south region of Avathar, and that was an area where the light of Valinor did not reach. Yep. In darkness. Seems to have the power to convert light to her own dark shroud called Unlight. Yeah. She seems to have that power. So it's kind of like she is absorbing light and making shadows. Essentially, yeah. We're going to we have a little um excerpt here about what All right, we got we got one coming up here about uh Unlight here in a second. But this one is about uh her her abode in the uh in the mountains of Abathar. This is from the Quintus Silmarillion, The Darkening of Valinor. In a ravine she lived and took shape as a spider of monstrous form, weaving her black webs in a cleft of the mountains. There she sucked up all light that she could find, and spun it forth again in dark nets of strangling gloom, until no light more could come to her abode, and she was famished. Yeah, so she can, like, absorb light and, like, spin it into her shitty webs. Yeah, she can consume, like matter and light and then spin it out and like it seems an- so anti-light yeah. like yeah uh, it's crazy yo is she some kind of like quantum reactor inside of her or something <laughs> like, right there's what n- the fuck there's Spitting no other dark matter she's like converting meta- matter to energy and shit inside of her like a nuclear reactor in there i'm guessing there's no other creature at all who can do this i hope not it's horrific well her and her spawns but uh, otherwise i think that's the only one we know of that does the unlight Ooh, her spawns yeah. can do it yeah, too uh, yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. sheila does it as well that's mm-hmm. right yeah so ungolian is most well known uh, most well known for helping melkor destroy the two trees of valinor made by yavanna and uh ungolian actually drinks all the sap and poisons the trunks yeah. It's pretty gross. Uh, we've got an excerpt here from the Darkening of Valinor and the Quintus Silmarillion. Then the unlight of Ungoliant rose up even to the roots of the trees, and Melkor sprang upon the mound. And with his black spear he smote each tree to its core, wounded them deep, and their sap poured forth as it were their blood, and spilled upon the ground. But Ungoliant sucked it up, and going then from tree to tree, she set her black beak to their wounds till they were drained, and the poison of death that was in her went into their tissues and withered them, root, branch, and leaf, and they died. And still she thirsted, and going to the wells of Varda, she drank them dry, but Ungoliant belched forth black vapors as she drank, and swelled to a shape so vast and hideous that Melkor was afraid. Yeah. Yeah, I love how they say that she uh, swelled in yeah. shape. Just kind of gross. Yeah, it is she gross. She didn't grow in shape. Mm-hmm. She didn't get bigger. She swelled. Swelled up. Yeah, so let's talk about her unlight a little bit more. It's so essentially, it's a kind of nothingness, and she actually uses it as a cloak, and she seems to be able to just produce this. Yeah. Some, in the in the uh, quote there, it said like a dark mist almost. Yeah, and it's yeah that's one of the mysterious things about Ungolian is like how does this unlight work and how does she make it? Where does it come from? Who knows? Yeah, we have another quick excerpt here from the Quintus Silmarillion, the Darkening of Valinor. A cloak of darkness she wove about them when Melkor and Ungolian set forth, an unlight, in which things seem to be no more in which eyes could not pierce, 
for it was void. I always loved that concept. Yeah, the it unlike concept is really cool. I've yeah. always really liked because it's like antimatter or something. Yeah, it's you know? not. It's not just like a shadow, a lack of light. Like you can't pierce it's, it. Yeah, it's as if there's something there. Yeah, even by magical means, you can't uh, produce it or you can't penetrate it. It's a really cool concept. I love it. Be as if what you're just seeing a black nothing. Yeah, right yeah. in front of you. Yeah, like that Vanta black paint. Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah, I was right? just gonna say yeah. like that ultimate black. Yeah, Are I you, saw a YouTube video where a guy painted a whole room with it, mm-hmm. and it was scary. It looked like he was standing in the middle of nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, but also, uh, Ungoliant is just like capitalist America, all about consumption. She is completely driven by consumption. That is the only thing she looks for the only reason she was going to help melkor in the first place was so she could consume yes consume consume buy it now buy it now buy it now what <laughs> that's a that's a that's a paul westerberg song oh uh a few people will know that reference <laughs> uh well gully just noticed well in size after she consumes uh you know as we were just talking about and was at one point uh large enough and even powerful enough uh we're saying to overpower melkor yeah. Even the big guy. Even the big guy. And he had to be rescued by his uh, Balrog homies that were his hiding out still. He had to call he had to call Uncle, call for his buddies to come mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to imagine Melkor just having that like oh shit moment where he's gonna like he's he's pinned down with like an arm behind him or something. He's like oh. Yeah. <laughs> he screams so loud that it still echoes in that valley today. Yeah, she fucked scream. him up. Damn, yeah, that's that's a sound. Yeah. <laughs> So we got a, a quote uh, excerpt here from the Silmarillion of the Flight of the Naldor, and Joel's going to read it for us. Far beneath the ruined halls of Angband, in the vaults to which the Valar and the haste of their assault had not descended, Balrogs lurked still, awaiting ever the return of their lord. And now they swiftly arose, and passing over Hithlam, they came to Lamoth as a tempest of fire, with their whips of flame, they smote asunder the webs of Ongoliant, and she quailed and turned to flight, belching black vapors to cover her. And fleeing from the north, she went down into Beleriand and dwelt beneath Arid Gorgoroth in that dark valley that was after called Nandungortheb, the valley of dreadful death, because of the horror that she bred there. Dude, I love that so much. The Valley of Dreadful Death. Yeah, there's nasty stuff here. Nasty. So this is where she had all her spawn. Her spawns, yeah. And then uh, Sheila was born here mm-hmm. and then moves, migrates down to Mordor later on. Yep. I-, I hear they have good real estate. Yeah, it's a good, yeah. It's a go, go east, young man. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really want to go to that resort, you know? Yeah. The oh, board. the Gorgoth State Park? <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Gorgoth State <laughs> Sounds like an awesome place. Yeah. yeah. That's why Sheila left, you know? She was killing on vacation. State Park. Gorgoroth? She heard all about Gorgoth State Park. Yeah, she had to be just adjacent <laughs> to it, you know? It's good real estate over there. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump from Gorgoth State Park. <laughs> Property value is great over there. <laughs> so after parting from Melkor, uh, Ungoliant, she tried to enter Doriath. But she was actually repelled by the girdle of Melian, and she ended up settling in Arid Gorgoroth, the Mountains of Terror. Mountains of Terror? Yeah, and in the Mountains of Terror, she lived in Nandungortheb, which is the Valley of Dreadful Death. Everything just sounds so bad. Yeah, I don't want to go here. 
This is where Baron was fucking around. Yeah, yeah. that's right. He had to come through there, and he was so traumatized, he never speaks never of it. Never speaks of it. Yeah, yeah, of all the horrible things that happened to Baron in his life. He won't speak of it. Yeah, he's been literally to Angband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'll talk about that openly, yeah. Yeah, but Nandung Gortheb. No way, Jose. Not talking about it. What uh, what language is that? That's uh, Cinderin, I believe. Cinderin? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there in the valley of Nandungortheb is where Angaliant bred her spawns, including Shelob, the spider. Yeah, apparently there were already evil spider-ish creatures there. And she like bred that with she them? she mated with them and then Ooh. devoured them. And then wow. ate them. Ooh. Maybe that, that's her people, man. She just fit right in. Yeah. Perfect. So, hey, what up, spider people? What up? <laughs> So eventually, Angaliant went south from there uh, before the rising of the sun. So she was no longer in Nandungortheb, but it was infested with what she had left behind. Oh, yeah. Crazy, nasty spider demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not cool. Not a cool place. And uh, there is no canon on what happened to her after she left and went south. Which is, yeah, more mystery. Right? More mystery. More mystery. But uh, actually, in the Book of Law- uh, Lost Tales, uh, Aerendil actually slays her on one of his epic adventures. Yeah, that's one of the versions of the of the tale of Aerendil. He goes around slaying monsters and yeah, dude. doing shit. Aerendil the Mariner, dog. And then, uh, on the other hand, according to the book, The Fall of Gondolin, which just recently came out, um, she just uh, eventually devoured herself. In hunger, which I don't really know the physics of that, but that's what she did. That's Just, I thought that was kind of fantasy poetic. That seemed that yeah. seemed kind of like something that might happen. Yeah, she, it's a cool end. She just became an ungallant singularity. Yeah, she yeah, became exactly. a singularity. <laughs> yeah, she was so famished she consumed herself and became the first singularity. <laughs> That'd be sick. See, and there inside ungallant, there was born a new universe. <laughs> yeah, that'd be sick, that's dude. Where we live, I'm oh. loving that idea, dude. <laughs> So let's get into some theories. Um, so, Trevor's theory on Galeant is a separate universe. Yeah, there we go. The singularity. the singularity. Well, well, she be, she would become a separate universe. Mm-hmm. I honestly, though, if I want to give a theory, why not have her be devoured by her kin? That'd be fun. That'd be oh, that'd be cool. Little tiny spiders, just mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like she she could not be sated and passed that along to her her spawn, and then they ate her. Yeah, mm. those who live by the sword. Kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I dig, dig it. that. I dig it. Yeah. Poetic justice. Yeah. Um, so, Angolian is actually said to be a, quote, evil spirit in the forms of a spider. So, there's uh, some theories that there may be not only the Ainur, but some sort of lesser spirit that were created by Elevatar in the beginning. Okay. That aren't either Valar or Maiar, but are still immortal. Yeah. Still some type of spirit being. Correct. So possible examples uh, going with this theory, possible examples of these lesser spirits would be like Ents. Mm-hmm. Speaking trees. Um, eagles. Yep. Uh, possibly Goldberry and Tom Bombadil. Right. Which we'll get, we'll get more into those. Yeah, they're anomalies. Later. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Barrel rights as well. Yeah. 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 See, that all makes sense. And I kind of subscribe to that. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I feel too. I feel yeah. that's a good theory. Kind of just like third-party spirits. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of random, just one-off characters and spirits throughout Tolkien, mm-hmm. which is one of the things we love, just these yeah. open-ended little mysteries, like, who is this random character? Yeah, some people think she's my arm, but, like, 
it specifically says she's not counted among the Ainur, so right can't be not Ainur and Maiar at the same time. Which therefore means that her spawn Shelub would not be an Ainur either. No, Shadows of War games. Yeah, Shadow of War games. Sons of bitches. <laughs> I have no qualms with the Shadow War games. Nah, they're pretty cool. I watched Trevor play a lot of them. Hey, they're fun games, and the Yorks have a lot of crazy stuff to say. Yeah, the lines yeah, are super funny. I wonder how long people were recording in the studios. Like, we need like seven thousand yeah. variations on this saying. Of this saying, yeah, exactly. Yeah, with this weird like English or British or some the European Cockney. accent, yeah, yeah. some vaguely European accent. Yeah, the Orcs are all Cockney, aren't they? M- for the most part, yeah, yeah. That's the stereotype that persists. That's the yeah. stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, let's get into our next mystery let's roll it gondolin city of seven names it was the greatest city of the noldor outside of the blessed realm the works of the gondolindrum were unrivaled but they were known most for one thing their blades the blades of the noldor were exquisite unimaginably sharp and durable they struck fear in the hearts of their enemies the most unique property of the gondolindrum blades was that they would glow where orcs were at hand the story of the fall of gondolin starts with maglin nephew of king turgon he was influential in the city he became a renowned smith and was responsible for many great works maglin was captured by morgoth and brought before him Morgoth promised him lordship of the city and the hand of his cousin in exchange for his betrayal. Maglin accepts. In 510 of the First Age, Gondolin fell. The onslaught of Morgoth was too much to withstand. The tower fell upon King Turgon and the city was razed. Turgon defended his city with his trusted blade Glamdring, and Ecthelion, Lord of the Fountain, fell wielding his blade Orchrist. The spoils of Gondolin would become the subject of one of the greatest mysteries in the Tolkien Legendarium. 2941 of the Third Age. The Trollshaws, Eriador. Nearly six and a half millennia after the fall of Gondolin. Thorn and company stumbled upon a troll horde. The horde held many treasures, but chief among them was the three swords chosen by Gandalf, Thorin, and Bilbo. The blades were later revealed to be from the plunder of Gondolin. The three swords had somehow survived and made it all the way to Eriador. These blades would go on to have more adventures in the Third Age, but the mystery of the Gondolin blades persists to this day. Who took them? How did they survive the destruction of Beleriand? How did they come to Eriador? Perhaps one day we will know. But for now, it will remain a Tolkien mystery. Yeah, yeah, guys. A mystery. Mysterious. That's right. We're talking this time about the Gondolindrum blades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we've talked about them before. Yeah, we've mentioned these blades before. We mentioned them during the uh, uh, Artifact Swords episode. Yes, which is episode 46. So if you want to know more about these blades in depth and some of the cool shit that they do... Check out episode 46, Artifact Swords. One of my favorite episodes uh, from that era of KOT. Fantastic, fantastic work. But in general, these blades, they were discovered by Thorn and Company in the Third Age 2941, 
during the quest for Erebor, and they were in the horde of the troll shards that Gandalf uh, had just dealt with. He, he just kind of saves the fucking day with the, yeah. <laughs> with, Trick, with the trolls. Tricks them into staying out past their bedtime and they die. Rude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys want to get stoned? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a whole different meaning to get yeah, stoned, yeah. right? I get stoned in the morning. Yeah, that's, you know, it's a troll song. Yeah. So chief among the treasure were the three swords that had been made in Gondolin, Glamdring, Orchrist, and Sting. And again, for more on those blades, go back to episode 46 where we talk about swords. Mm-hmm. But uh, Elrond is uh, eventually the one who recognizes the blades and, Which, and tells the company where they're from. This is also one of the things that confuses me about The Hobbit. And I think it's obviously just because it's not uh, retconned properly. But why didn't Gandalf recognize the blades? And also, why couldn't he read the ruins on them? You'd think. The runes. Sorry, not ruins. The runes. The runes. Yeah, why couldn't he read the runes? Uh, Elrond is, you know, much younger and, you know, I don't know if he's wiser than Gandalf, but like, you know what I mean? Gandalf should read Quenya. I suppose. Yeah. You'd think. It's a little weird. But anyway, Elrond is the one that recognizes him. And we have a little excerpt from The Hobbit about that. Elrond knew all about runes of every kind. That day he looked at the swords they had brought from the troll's lair, and he said, These are not troll make. They are old swords, very old swords of the high elves of the west, my kin. They were made in Gondolin for the goblin wars. They must have come from a dragon's horde or goblin plunder, for dragons and goblins destroyed that city many ages ago. This, Thorin, the runes name Orchrist, the goblin cleaver in the ancient tongue of Gondolin. It was a famous blade. This, Gandalf, was Glamdring, foe hammer, that the king of Gondolin once wore. Keep them well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's get into some theories of how this, how did this treasure get from the fall of Gondolin six and a half millennia later in Eriador? Yeah, well, Elrond speculates that the treasure was plundered multiple times. Yeah, thieves stealing from thieves. Right, right. I think it's kind of rare to have like all that stuff stay together after that much you'd think like a set Mm -hmm. of three blades stolen together three times you might even say it was their doom Mm -hmm. their doom go to see the doom trilogy the doom trilogy (laughs) the doom trilogy but But yeah i mean there are three important blades i mean you got the sword of uh turgon the sword of ecthalion probably Mm -hmm. and erendil's sword Clearly. Which you'll remember is... Erendil's child blade. Yeah, yes. is a, that's a KOT house theory. Mm-hmm. You know, that the, sting was the, uh, the small child sword of a young... Erendil. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's fucking funny. Well, uh, for a little more about this, there is an excerpt from The Hobbit, A Short Rest. I could not say, said Elrond, but one may guess that your trolls had plundered other plunderers. Or come upon the red, the remnants of old robberies in some hold in the mountains. I have heard that there are still forgotten treasures of old to be found in the deserted caves of the mines of Moria since the dwarf and goblin wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, a reference to the, to the, the war of the dwarves and orcs. Yes. All the way back in The Hobbit. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we also have, this is a, a theory of mine, it's a little bit fan fiction-y. A, a Danny J original fan fiction. This is a Danny J original fan fiction. So, this is my theory of what happened. Okay, I'm listening. So. Let's hear it. 
Blades are plundered in the fall of Gondolin, right? Yeah. The treasure is taken to Angband, right? Okay. So Valar overthrow Angband. But right. before they do, the treasure's brought out and snuck down <laughs> uh, across Beleriand and into Middle-earth, into Eriador, right? By by like orcs and stuff? by orcs and shit yeah 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 people fleeing the war that they're losers right sure okay um the losers the losers yeah they're losers um <laughs> and then <laughs> so they're brought they bring it down into iriador right right and then so they have a hold of it okay for centuries and centuries it's a long time yeah uh well millennia really that's even longer Holy yeah shit. yeah until uh it's uh recovered Right? Okay. By Gilgalad in one of his many campaigns in the uh, Misty Mountains. Gilgalad the elf, you say? Yes. And Gilgalad actually gives these blades to his friends, Elendil and Isildur. Why? Because they are actually descendants of King Turgon by many, many, many generations, right? It's true. That's right. It's true. So now, when the North Kingdom falls, right, after the fall of Fornost, they bring the blades to Karn Doom. Okay. And then after the fall of Angmar, after the Battle of Fornost, Carndoom mm. is deserted. So the treasure is then brought down into the Misty Mountains, right? Okay. And I say on its way through the Misty Mountains, accosted by trolls. Okay. You know? Because that's where the trolls would have come That's from. where the trolls in the Entenmoors area, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So the trolls then acquire the treasure. Bada bing. They put it in the troll horde. God knows how long it's in there. Mm-hmm. Gandalf comes, kills the trolls. Boom. It's their Bob's treasure. Your uncle. Bob's your uncle. That's how the swords got there. <laughs> what do you Actually, think of I that? I think it was Bert, the troll, the three trolls. Yeah, I can't remember their names. One of them was Bert. I remember that. Can I throw in a quick fun theory that Bert? I had yes. thought of? What's, um, your, what's your theory, friend? So I obviously cannot go as in-depth as you, but mm-hmm. I do know that... Um, Certain weapons in Tolkien have some level of sentience, if you will. Um, so what if it was the, uh, like I said, like like Doom earlier, the destiny or, or these weapons are somehow a collective consciousness to stay together mm-hmm. because they, they need to. Well, I'm going to tell you that's a, a weird theory because there's actually shit to back with your theory up. Because the swords that, the sword that we know to be sentient, uh, Anglicel, yeah, was made by Aeol who's the father of Maglin. And we know that Maglin was the chief smith in the city of Gondolin Mm -hmm. where the fucking swords were made. So maybe he had the ability to install sentience in swords because his his father father did. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, Trevor. Yeah. So they were, they were bonded together by by their forging. Yeah. This is just all Tolkieneering here, guys. This is (laughs) all Tolkieneering. This is based as fuck. Yeah, this is based, dude. So the three, the three, (laughs) the three trolls I was mentioning, Bert, Tom, and William, also known as Bill. Really? Bill, yeah, <laughs> of course. Bill, Bert, and Tom. <laughs> Poor guys. Yeah. Man. They stayed up past their bedtime and got stoned. <laughs> got stoned a little too late. Uh, well, on that note, let's move on to our third Tolkien mystery. Our third and final Tolkien mystery. Let's roll it. Frodo Baggins. Ring bearer. He and his companions made their way into the old forest. It's the fall of Third Age 3018. Frodo and his company would come into peril when they are attacked by Old Man Willow. 
the tree threatens to consume Mary and Pippin. Frodo and Sam try desperately to save their friends, but they are ultimately helpless. But what they didn't know is they were about to encounter one of the most mysterious beings in the entire legendarium. Seemingly from nowhere, a man appears. He sang a strange tune. His song made the tree relent. After the ordeal, the man introduces himself by the name Tom Bombadil. Tom invites the hobbits to his home. There they are introduced to his equally enigmatic wife, Goldberry, referred to by Tom only as the River's Daughter. The hobbits are shown supreme hospitality while in the house of Tom Bombadil. During one conversation, the ring is brought up. Frodo takes out the ring and gives it to Tom. Tom puts the ring on his finger and there is no effect. This small instance is one of the most inexplicable events in the entire legendarium. How could this be? How could the ring have no power over him whatsoever? What amazing and strange powers does Tom possess? And having such abilities, whose side is he on? Tom later saves the hobbits yet again when he banishes the evil Barrowrites. He arms the hobbits with the Blades of Westerness, which later reveals to be a stroke of fate. Tom then departs from the hobbits and passes back into legend. The story of Tom Bombadil in The Lord of the Rings is as brief as it is baffling. Who is Tom Bombadil? Where did he come from? What strange and terrible powers does he possess? What are his goals and motives? Does he have any? If so, are they sinister in nature? And furthermore, who is his mysterious partner, Goldberry? What are her origins? We may never know. The story of Tom Bombadil raises more questions than almost any other story in the Legendarium. Tom Bombadil will now and forever remain a Tolkien mystery. Hell yeah. That's right, everybody. Tom Bombadil. Tom Befriggin Bombadil. <laughs> Befriggin Bombadil. Possibly the nefarious? Possibly. I don't know. We'll get into it. So I think this is probably most people's favorite Tolkien mystery. Oh, for sure. Above and above and beyond. Everyone yeah. loves Tom Bombadil just because he's such an odd character. His, so the odd. whole his whole I don't want to use the word vibe. His shtick. His whole it is it's very different than yeah. the rest of the tale. It's yeah. It's just very seemingly does not fit doesn't fit very at well. all. Yeah. No. And yet it kind of does. Well yeah, because we know we're used to it by now. So yeah. it's you know, we love it. So Tom Bombadil appears briefly in the Fellowship of the Ring when Frodo and company are rescued by him after they're attacked by Old Man Willow in the Old Forest. And this is when Tom invites them back to his lovely home. And who do they meet there, Trevor? 
his equally mysterious wife, Goldberry. Yeah, and who the fuck is Goldberry? Right. Man, I don't know. But but like Tom, she's always singing. Always. You know? She's also unbelievably beautiful. Of course. She beguiles the hobbits. Of course. And she introduces herself as the River's Daughter. Yeah, River's Daughter. Okay, cool. River's Daughter. Yeah, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Like, how can you be the daughter of a body of water? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Is it a self-proclamation or... Is I, it a sentient body of water? Is she back Ulmo's in the day? Daughter? I used to think she was Ulmo's daughter, but then I realized Ulmo's the only male valor that's not married. Maybe he's just going around having kids <laughs> Maybe like he's, Zeus. Yeah, he's he's philandering. <laughs> Maybe he's like the Zeus. Yeah. He's just going, I mean, I know he he always loved the children of Ilavatar, but I didn't know he loved them. Yeah, like that, much. like that. He really loves, really the children of Ilavatar. Loves them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but how are these two like the only two of their? like species to exist right well we don't even know what spe- they could be entirely different species I mean, yeah, we don't even know who or what they are right yeah. yeah like to say like yeah where did they come from it's like well there's like no other people like them yeah he's also such an odd size like he's, yeah he's like he's somewhere in between a hobbit and a man yeah he's he's taller than the hobbits and i think he's slightly taller than a dwarf and they said he has like dark brownish skin too as well yeah. so he's yeah. got like a brownish face they say yeah and his hands are also dark darkish colored yeah. brown but he's he's significantly shorter than a regular person mm-hmm. he's just he's he's weird yeah he's weird so we got a little excerpt about goldberry here uh this is from the fellowship of the ring the chapter is in the house of tom bombadil in a chair at the far side of the room facing the outer door sat a woman her long yellow hair rippled down her shoulders her gown was green green as young reeds shot with silver like beads of dew and her belt was gold shaped like a chain of flag lilies set with the pale blue eyes of forget-me-nots. Yeah, sounds beautiful. Yeah, so she's bathed in, she's clothed in nature. Yeah. Gold nature. Gold nature, like Goldberry. Goldberry. They're fitting. <laughs> Goldberry. So, while in the house of Tom Bobadil, the hobbits have a good meal and a sleep, and then they shortly set out after that. And Tom actually teaches them a song that will summon him if they run into peril while in, quote, Tom's country. Interesting. I, lo- I love that he has a, a summon song. Yeah. Just like, up. like like for anything. Does it have to be for peril, though? Like, what if they just want to, like, meet up for lunch? I think he kind of implies that they shouldn't abuse it. Like, <laughs> it's like the 911 emergency. <laughs> it's like the, It's the oh shit button. You have officially abused the Tom Bombadil uh, summoning program. What, I, wonder, I wonder what would happen. Like, would, would he get mad? What would mad Tom Bombadil be like? Yeah. Terrifying absolutely horrifying yeah he just shows up in his boxers like he was sleeping <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> fuck is going on not nice anymore yeah i wonder if he knows like evil songs right he just like, like fills you with dread for being an asshole yeah. and summoning him in the middle of the night i would i'd get revenge on that <laughs> shit well frodo uses the summoning song when the hobbits are uh basically trapped by the barrow whites yeah. In the Barrow Downs. Mm-hmm. Not too far from the Old Forest. Yeah, just outside the Old Forest. Still seemingly part of Tom's, Tom's country. country. Yeah, Tom goes right on into the tombs and brings out the Blades of Westerness for the Hobbits and dishes them out to them and has no problem dealing with the Whites. Which, yeah, just just banishes those things, no problem, uh, with a song, no less. 
Yeah, and this whole thing with the blades, too, this turns out to be pivotal, obviously. Yeah, the blades of Westerness are huge, especially with Mary's blade. Yeah. I, I don't know why this hadn't occurred to me before, but Tom Bombadil is, is like the bard. He's a bard. Yeah. Yeah, if he, he were a D&D character, he would he, be a level 40 fucking bard. Right, with like max charisma. Yeah, yeah. with max, max charisma. Max. max. And, and a high constitution, which we yeah. talk about in a second here. Yeah. Yep. So let's get into a little list thing uh, of mysterious things about Tom Bombadil. First, he's unknown to Mary. Yeah, and for being a neighbor, you think the the Bucklanders would probably know. Oh, because Mary is not only a Bucklander; he's the sharpest of the Bucklanders. You mm-hmm. know, he's the coolest and the and the smartest. So he would know, I think, if because he's Mary's been in the old forest before. Right, he's the one that knows it more yeah. than the other ones. Yeah. How many people are actually aware of Bombadil? That's the thing. That's part of this. these weird uh, mysteries here is that nobody freaking knows who he is, except for like Gandalf seems the most familiar with him. Farmer Maggot knows him. Farmer Maggot. Well, Farmer Maggot, that's another thing that's on this list. Farmer Maggot doesn't say he knows him, but Tom says he knows Farmer Maggot. Is he lying? Mm, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Is there like, are they Does Farmer Maggot didn't say like, hey, you're going through Tom's country. Beware of this dude named Tom. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You'd think that would be the first fucking thing he would tell them. That's, fair, know, that's fair point. Do you, do you maybe think like how how easy or how like widespread knowledge is it that Bombadil exists, right? Because like if we say there's a few people that know him, maybe it's uh, like his own sort of magic that he is sort of shrouded, if you will. Yeah. Well, we'll get to some some theories about it here and we're gonna uh, get into some even some guess, more yeah. theories about. i guess tom. i'm just like here's a theory we love yeah. the subject. another one <laughs> we love the subject of tom bombadil he's so much fun yeah it's, so, fun. Yeah, he's it's cool. really fun to speculate yeah tom bombadil is even unknown to elrond yeah totally surprising yeah at yeah. the council of elrond elrond is not sure about who tom bombadil actually is and he says he may be one who he may be the one who the elves call ir wayne benadar eldest and fatherless might be might yeah, be he's like, but if th- this speculation yeah he's like if this is the same guy that walked in that region long ago he was known by the elves as this it might, i'm not sure be. but it could be this dude and even so what kind of that eldest yeah. and, what kind of title is that eldest and fatherless that's kind of yeah. creepy it's kind of creepy yeah. eldest like yeah even older than i suppose the elves would be right mm-hmm. oh yeah so we have an excerpt here about him from the fellowship of the ring the council of elrond but I had forgotten Bombadil, if indeed this is still the same that walked the woods and hills long ago, and even then was older than the old. That was not then his name. Arwain Benadar, we called him, oldest and fatherless. But many another name he has since been given by other folk, foreign by the dwarves, or alled by northern men, and other names beside. He is a strange creature, but maybe I should have summoned him to our council. He would not have come, said Gandalf. It's yeah, true. Just straight up, he wouldn't, he can't be bothered with this Can't shit. be bothered. He's he's too weird and independent. He yep. just doesn't fucking care about anything else. Carefree. Yeah. Carefree. Carefree high. He's always worried about his wife, Goldberry. Yeah, which is, yeah, let's get, she's on the list here. Like, so, mysterious thing, one, like, number one, his wife, Goldberry. Who the fuck is she? Yeah. Her origins are just as unknown as Tom's. Yeah. Referred only to as the river's daughter what does that mean yeah and she never leaves quote his country yeah it seems almost as if they're confined to this area maybe Hmm. yeah tom seems to have almost absolute power over his realm and 
perhaps only his realm? Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? That's another mystery. He his, also has some strange-ass magic. Yeah, his babbling, bibbling, bobbling song Yeah, magic. And it, it all seems to be linked to these nonsensical songs that he sings constantly. What's another thing, Trevor? His relationship to the ring is kind of weird. Very weird. Very he has weird. A, a very, of all the characters in the Tolkien Legendarium, has the strangest interaction with the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in addition, he also seems to know all about Frodo and his quest. Mm-hmm. He says he heard it from either Gildor. This is another thing that's kind of weird. He heard it from um, either Gildor or Farmer Maggot, right? Mm-hmm. But neither Gildor or Farmer Maggot said, again, look out for Tom. He knows you're coming. That's true. That's weird. Really weird. That's weird. Nobody seems to know where we're talking about Tom, and yet Tom's... He seems, seems to know, know a lot about everyone else. Yeah. He's got eyes and ears everywhere, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, he's there even tells Frodo to give him the ring. Yeah, straight up. He's just like, they're in the middle of a story, and he's like, pull it on. Let me see it. Let me see the ring. And yeah, he then goes to, uh, Frodo does this willingly, which is strange. Which also catches Frodo by surprise. Yeah. It literally surprises Frodo that he is giving him the ring, like straight up. It's uh, like, what kind of power does he have over Frodo? Does he have a power over Frodo? It almost seems as though. It almost seems because, yeah, Frodo's surprised. Like, it's he's surprised by his own actions here. Well, I wonder if it could be the ring itself too, though, right? Because if, if, well, if the ring. But the ring itself would tell him to keep it and not give it to that dude. What if it was interested in him because it didn't know about him? Like if it was. And the, and the ring goes to Bombadil and like deems him not worthy and so no effect takes place. I don't know. Maybe. Perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, but it, yeah, I think it's considering Bombadil's the the weird thing here. It's probably surely him, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, probably the strangest thing of all is when he puts the ring on his finger and nothing happens. Nothing. Yeah, that's probably the strangest, the strangest of all. So we've got to we've got to read you the the excerpt from this part in the story. Yeah. So here is an excerpt from in the house of Tom Bombadil in the Fellowship of the Ring. Show me the precious ring, he said suddenly in the midst of the story. And Frodo, to his own astonishment, drew out the chain from his pocket and unfastening the ring, handed it to Tom at once. It seemed to grow larger as it lay for a moment on his big brown skinned hand. Then suddenly he put it to his eye and laughed. For a second, the hobbits had a vision, both comical and alarming, of his bright blue eye gleaming through a circle of gold. Then Tom put the ring around the end of his little finger and held it up to the candlelight. For a moment, the hobbits noticed nothing strange about this. Then they gasped. There was no sign of Tom disappearing. Tom laughed again, and then he spun the ring in the air and it vanished with a flash. Frodo gave a cry, and Tom leaned forward and handed it back to him with a smile. Terrifying. Terrifying. How does it not do anything to him? The first time I read that in the book, when I, you know, way back when I read the book for the first time, it was just, it was terrifying. Yeah. You you felt something like something very bad was about to happen because, like, who Mm -hmm. the fuck is this guy? Exactly. It's very ominous. So, so hold on though. It, it says specifically that the ring grew in his hand, right? Yep. The ring is known to grow in size to fit the hand of whomever it's holding. They always say, in Tolkien, they always say when things, whenever they say it seemed to do this, it literally does that. Y- yeah, so yeah, like, right. Like when Gandalf seems to grow in size, he's literally using his Maiar power to grow in size. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So so couldn't the um would that be is is that just what the ring is doing if it's sentient or is Tom influencing the ring like making it do that? I don't know. Oh, oh, make it resize. No, it does that to everybody. Like it pick when you pick it up, it sizes to your hand. Yes. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. just an automatic thing. It's not like uh, yep. choosing to do that per se. Yeah. Because it can choose to leave a finger in a Sildor's case. Right. right. Exactly. That's what it betrayed is Sildor to right. his death. Right. To his death. Yeah. Another weird thing. Really, really friggin' weird. Because when Frodo gets the uh, the ring back, he wants to make sure it's his ring. Mm-hmm. So he immediately pops that shit on. And then guess what? Poof. Tom goes, hey, buddy, come back over here. Take that ring off. He sees him. He sees Frodo with the ring on. What the yeah, fuck? He can tell he's there. Somehow he can tell, which is wild. Yeah, like what the shit? And ultimately, Tom doesn't seem to really give a shit about the threat that the ring poses or no. anything about the ring. No, he he can't be bothered with it. In at the uh, Council of Elrond, it's actually suggested for this uh, reason uh, that he be given the ring to be entrusted to him. Yeah, and it's deemed a bad idea because Tom doesn't really give a shit about anything, especially stuff <laughs> like this. And it would probably just end up lost somewhere, which is not good. Not good. That's what we're trying to avoid here. <laughs> uh, so we have a uh, excerpt from the Fellowship of the Ring here from the, the greatest chapter ever, the Council of Elrond, and our boy Joel is going to read it. No, I should not put it so, said Gandalf. Say rather that the ring has no power over him. He is his own master, but he cannot alter the ring itself, nor break its power over others. And now he is withdrawn into a little land. None can see them, waiting perhaps for a chance of day, and he will not step beyond them. But within those bounds nothing seems to dismay him, said Aristor. Would he not take the ring and keep it there forever harmless? No, said Gandalf, not willingly. He might do so if all the free folk of the world begged him, but he would not understand the need, and if he were given the ring, he would soon forget it or most likely throw it away. Such things have no hold on his mind. He would be a most unsafe guardian, and that alone is answer enough. Yeah, straight up. Like... He is not a good guy to look after it because it has no power over him, but also... He doesn't care about it. He doesn't give a shit about it. Like, he doesn't give a single flying fuck about it. Mm-mm. No sweat off his brow. No you know, even understanding of it. Like, really, he wouldn't he wouldn't understand the need. Like, Yeah. Just, He'd be like, what are you guys all up in an uproar about? This <laughs> fucking <laughs> evil ring? Oh, my God. Who get over also it. Kind of terrifying. <laughs> also kind of terrifying that you have such a powerful being who doesn't understand or empathize yeah. with such a... Oh, need. That's, that's like, kind of that's kind of terrifying. It's kind of yeah. sociopathic, which, right? Yeah. Which leads to the kind of what is sorting to unfold here a horrific story of Tom Bombadil. Yeah, so let's get into it, guys. Let's jump into our theory section. Theories about Tom Bombadil. So let's get into the Danny J theory, the personal, my personal theory here. And I just have one single quote here in the outline. For he so loved his children that he gave them the most annoying continuity error of all time. <laughs> And because if you know anything about the background of Tom Bombadil, he was basically a childhood, uh, he made this character up for his children and he had like Mm -hmm. Tom Bombadil stories and he decided, uh, I think to show his children like a little Easter egg for them. 
he was like, all right, I'm going to integrate this goofy character, Tom Bombadil, into my big epic high fantasy bullshit that I'm working on, right? It's almost like an Easter egg. Yeah, it's a little Easter egg for his kids, you know? It's like when Carol Burnett on the Carol Burnett show used to tug on her ear. It was her saying hello to her children at home. Mm. Yeah, a little sweet thing like that, right? But yeah, because Tolkien is obsessed about not having continuity errors, right? Right. The fact that he has one and it's glaring is this. This is massive. Is a gift to his children. Yeah, just something to play with. Well, no, because it's like, this is how much I love you that I'm willing to fuck up my continuity for you. You know what I mean? That's what I'm thinking. I I just love giving us this open-ended mystery just to play with and theorize about. And that's one of the, I think I've mentioned it before. It's one of the things I love about the whole Legendarium is just these random characters and things like this that are just kind of one-offs and you're like how did this come to be mm-hmm. but you can't really question it because middle earth is magical and you know there's things older than yeah. you know the the living children of Iluvatar, and there's things, things older, older than, than the, the sun than and the moon. sun and the moon yeah. and just weird ass shit there's things that gnaw under the ground that just live down in the depths and yeah. shit is just there's a uh, giant sentient whales that Ulmo commands. There are in the oceans. There are. <laughs> I, I love that it's so mysteriously magical that you don't really ever know the extent the magic could go, right? Or yeah. like be or do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you you can't really write off any of the sort of continuity errors because like it could be anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's my yeah. The Danny J theory is that he it's a Easter egg for his children. He uh, fucked up his own legendarium. Out of love for his children. That's what I think. So, and now we got a Trevor theory. Yeah, um, this is, uh, I just kind of thought about this. So, so we're talking about Ungaliant and how Ungaliant can do the unlight, mm-hmm. which is, sure. you know, it, it kind of sounds like it could be like an aura or an area around her. It's an area effect. Uh, yeah. A yeah. Ra- sort of like a realm, if you will, mm-hmm. um, where she can, you know, absorb light and do fabrication and whatever. I theorize Bombadil could be like the opposite right but he's camped in a spot right so he's in his realm he can't leave it but he can do whatever he wants in it so instead of being like a void he's like uh he's like the white hole to her black hole oh i see you know what i mean like he's he he creates things he he provides you so know? yeah he's like a light spirit rather than a dark right spirit. right so they could be like just the opposites of each other in a sense <laughs> That could be. Maybe. And uh and and cool. Goldberry exists with Tom um to prove that we have to stick it together to be happy. Yeah. And, and Ungaliant suffered alone. It's true. She's alone and evil. Yeah. She but together emits together yeah. we are stronger. Yeah. Which is yeah, a, a recurring theme throughout Tolkien Legendarium, yeah. She emits unlight in a haze and Tom Bombadil basically dispels all evil and spells just from his presence and babbling around. Yeah. Right. Like what if Ungaliant and Bombadil came together? The unstoppable force. Yeah. The unmovable wall or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Right. Would it, would it clash? Could the, could they affect each other or would like, would it be like opposite magnetism? Right. They couldn't. That would be a good, uh, episode of Tolkien brawl. (laughs) Ungaliant versus Bombadil. Yeah, dude. They would create the first singularity and it would break the time space continuum. And the whole timeline of middle earth would change and everything would cease to be. That's what would happen. Sick. Dude. We must keep them apart. Sick. We must keep them <laughs> apart at all costs. And Tom Bombadil knows it. That's why he hides it. That's up. why he's confined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's get into some fun <laughs> theories from the internet. The cesspool of information. I love this shit. The internet. <laughs> There's some crazy, really fun theories out there about Tom Bombadil. So this one persists. Uh, I've read this in multiple um, 
you know, blog posts and things of this nature. Tom Bombadil is a retired, if you will, Iluvatar. Hmm. It's Iluvatar that's living on an o- his own little reservation of land um, where he can, you know, do his own thing. I don't know. Sounds like things are always interesting, so he's never bored. I guess. He's always doing, he's always got errands to run. He's off like, oh, Goldberry needed these flowers picked over on the hills. So I was doing that, singing lolly lolly doo doo. It was just some retired whipped Iluvatar. (laughs) He's he's whipped. I love that shit. Yeah. Just doing things for the old ball and chain, right? Yeah. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah. So another one that's fun, this is uh, from a website that I used to go on back, like this is like 20 years ago now when the movies came out. Uh, it was, they were Tolkien crackpot theories. You can find these if you Google that. Um, it's an old ass website, like really shitty format and everything. But uh, <laughs> just, just digging on the website. It's 20 years old. You know what I mean? Like it's a 20 year old fucking website. So anyway, somebody on there thinks that Tom Bombadil is in disguise the Witch King of Angmar. What? <laughs> and we've talked about this before. And it's for a few reasons. The fact that he can see Frodo. The fact that he knew he was coming mm-hmm. because he was in the Shire just chasing him recently. Mm-hmm. Right? And the the ring has no power over him. And uh, I didn't get to look up this, but they cited a, a source in the, <laughs> in the post that uh it has no effect over them which is the same effect it would have on a nazgul if they got a hold of it because quote they knew the true mastery of the ring but why would he give it why would he back i don't know dude (laughs) i'm not saying this is the right theory (laughs) this is just it's on a crackpot theories (laughs) website okay i just can't get over that one part but uh, but all right i can see how these things line up but yeah it really wouldn't make sense for him to get the ring in his hand and then and then straight up give it back like like, thanks bye this is what i came for like like, he's like yeah this is what i came for but fuck it let's keep it interesting (laughs) it's fun yeah i like a good competition even made him breakfast the next day yeah i made him <laughs> breakfast and shit sent him on their way and then, and then he saved them from yeah. the barrel and then gives them the, the only swords that can kill him yeah that's true that, yeah. that's fair what a, what a wild character if that what were true <laughs> yeah wild. just self-destructive type character yeah Another another uh, fan theory that we really came across is from our friend and uh, listener. Yeah, Megan, uh, also a Patreon, uh, pa- uh, patron for a long yes. ass time. Yes, yes, man. Giving us she's, a lot of she's, money. One, she's one of our biggest fans since the earliest, earliest days of the yeah. podcast. We know you're listening. Uh, we think you're awesome. Thank you very much. And she was actually a guest on two of our episodes. Yeah. The Women in Tolkien episodes. Women in Tolkien episodes. Yeah. She is a very, uh, very fun person to listen to. It was a great uh, conversation. I liked it. Yeah. So that's episodes 27 and 28. Go check those out. Yeah. But uh, the theory that she brought up was, I can't remember if this was a theory of her own or um, or of her book club that she was kind of representing mm-hmm. in the conversation. But it is that Tom represents the reader, which uh, kind of explains the omniscience of his knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. How he can just appear. He can just appear, disappear. He can... Uh, he knows all, everything that's going on. He knows everything that's going on. Um, he can always find Frodo no matter where he is, even if he's got the ring on, mm-hmm. like the reader, right? And then uh, he can make the ring disappear, just like the reader can close the book and make the story disappear, right? Mm-hmm yeah 
I, I thought that was a fun theory. Fun that, theory. Those things do line up, and it really makes you think, too. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, though, and I've been kind of hinting at this the whole time. Yeah, you have. This is fun. Is that Tom is the ultimate evil. The And I, when I say ultimate, I use that word literally, as in he is the highest form of evil. The first in the Legendarium. And this is from a Live Journal article that uh, our our buddy and friend of the show Joe Vasky um, shared with me on Discord. It's really long and well written. Uh, we're not going to read the whole thing because we don't have time, but uh, we're going to give you the gist of it. So, the gist is that he is the ultimate evil, and he is confined within the borders of the old forest by the Valar. Think about it. In Tolkien, one of the things that they bring up in the theory. In Tolkien, the domain of every powerful magical character reflects the person who lives there. Like Dolgaldur. Like Dolgaldur has evil shit. Uh, Galadriel's place is, you know, stacked up with cool ass shit. You know? So, like, it reflects the people who live there, right? Tom's domain, quote, Tom's country, is full of fucking monsters. Yeah, evil and there's, trees. And the river forests. is even evil, right? And where are the springs of the Withy Windle? Tom's house. Oh. That's a fun word, by the way. Withy Windle. Withy Windle. Yeah. How whimsical and unassuming. And then his wife, if the Withy Windle is an evil river, which they say explicitly is evil, right? His wife is the daughter of this evil river, right? So is she evil too? Like evil incarnate. Yeah. And why uh, the ring has no effect on Tom Bombadil, right? He has like, uh, this is the D&D term. I literally just threw a D&D term in here. He has the constitution, the con, that is high enough to resist the ring's whatever. That's got to be an insane constitution. Insane constitution. He's got like a plus 20 on all rolls. He's got a nat 20 on all rolls. He's got a nat 20 Just auto-rolled it, right? Auto-roll that nat 20. Yeah, and he like aids the hobbits to eliminate Sauron, which... His biggest rival for total domination, That's right? Who, at the time, yeah. Who else is, stri- is striving to to totally dominate everybody? But Sauron, right? Mm-hmm. You could use these little hobbits. He literally gives them the best fucking weapon ever to fight Sauron, right? And he's just like, yeah, go off, take your ring, destroy it, take out my competition for me. Yes, right? while I'm confined to this domain. Yes, he's like the the gang leader in jail. Still running things from yeah, the inside. Still running things from the inside. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so perhaps Bombadil is just putting on this persona to fool the hobbits into thinking he is some friendly, benign being. Just think about it. Like, one of the things, uh, like, as a character, Tom Bombadil's kind of can be on the annoying side. Why? Because he lays it on so thick, yes. right? And is he doing that just to appeal to the hobbits? Because Perhaps. he is their dream dude, right? Like, he's their dream homie. He's their dream, he's, like, host, yeah. Yeah, he loves food. He loves songs. He, he's, he's, got a, he's got a hot wife, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, he, he appeals to everybody of Hobbit nature, you know? Bombadil has the biggest farce in all of it. He's, he's, he's the... Uh, just the ultimate liar, right? Yeah. Like from, the, from the beginning. Like, no one, no, there's no one old enough to suspect yeah. him. And this person also states that he's lying about knowing Farmer Maggot. He's lying about how he knows Frodo's coming. Oh, because they don't ever say anything about Tom. Right, because nobody ever mentions. They right. know full well that the hobbits are going through the territory. And two people, Gildor and Farmer Maggot, none of them say anything about Tom. Weird, oh, interesting. right? Interesting. 
Interesting. Tom is claiming to know these people, but they never mentioned him. Especially they never mentioned him at all. For a guy who's such a hospitable, helpful host. Well, the fact that he's like can dispel all the evil around. Like he should have been their guide through the goddamn old the forest. You know? They should have just yeah. brought him with. Yeah. 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 That should, somebody should have had that idea. You'd think. Yeah. Farmer Megan should have been like, you know what? You should. Yeah. Hit up that cat, Tom Bombadil. He'll help you through. Yeah. Yeah. He's real good. I know him personally. <laughs> well, to top off this whole theory. We've got an excerpt from the original uh, blog post about this theory. Yeah, I had to have some of this at least. In it's, fucking, it's hilarious. It's amazing. I love this. In these, I'm going to post both of these things on our Discord. So if you're listening to this and you really, really want to see these, join the Discord. Yeah, come Discord exclusive post. content. Yeah, right? don't check Google it, it out. <laughs> don't Google it. Just come, just come to the Discord. Yeah, come to the Discord. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you how to Google it. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, come to the Discord, guys. It's a it's a fun time, anyway. But we got uh, Trev here is going to read this and take us out. The spell that binds Bombadil to his narrow and cursed country was put in place centuries ago by the Valar to protect men and elves. It may last a few decades more, perhaps a few generations of Hobbit lives, but when the last elf has gone from the Havens and the last spells of rings and wizards unravel. Then it will be gone. And Eorwain Benadar, oldest and fatherless, who was ruler of the darkness in Middle-earth before Sauron was, before Morgoth set foot there, before the first rising of the sun, will come into his inheritance again. And one dark night the old trees will march westward into the Shire to feed their ancient hatred, and Bombadil will dance down amongst them, clad in his true shape at last, singing his incomprehensible rhymes as the trees mutter their curses and the black and terrible Barrowrites dance and gibber around him and he will be smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that is too fucking funny. That's how the thing ends. That's the last paragraph of the post. That's so good. I love that he's, Bombadil will be down dancing. (laughs) Yeah. As they dance and give it around him, yeah. And, and he, he will, will be, be smiling. smiling. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds that. so creepy. Yeah. So terrifying. Yeah, so it's my personal theory. I, I'm subscribing to this theory. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, of all the theories about if anyone was ever going to try to, I think it, Tolkien purposely makes it so you can't really pinpoint what Tom Bombadil's about yeah. or where he's from, but if we were ever going to try to do that, I would go with this because this is fun as fuck. This kind of reminds me of that uh, for a similar legendarium uh, in Star Wars, the fact that the theory that Jar Jar Binks was a Sith Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that, yeah. Similar kind of theory. I can see that, yep. I would love Dark Lord Bombadil. Oh, yeah, that would be so cool. What if, like, twist ending of Lord of the Rings, Bombadil busts out of the old forest? (laughs) Just fucking... With an assault. Yeah. On the whole world. Yeah, dude, and he just takes over everything, and then it's just him like sitting on the throne. Boom, story's over. What if what if Bombadil is Ilavatar's opposite, and if he is the true Dark Lord, he just he's starts to Satan. unmake yeah Middle Earth, and then him and Ilavatar have a big Ragnarok final battle, like do after the Dagor Bragarok. Dagor Bragarok. Ah, I was close. There you go. You're very. Close. <laughs> or, no, you're thinking of the Dagor Dagorath, the war. Dagor- Wars. Dagor- yeah, 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 yeah. Not Dagor Bragarok. This battle of sudden flame. So. <laughs> Sorry, that's so hard to remember. Which. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of Dagors. <laughs> a lot of Dagors. <laughs> you're getting your Dagors mixed up. 
Well, that's about all we've got, so to round things up, we hope you really enjoyed this very special episode of Keep on Tolkien. Yes, guys, thank you so much. Um, this was sort of experimental, so hopefully it went well. Yeah, but we'd kind of like to start doing these Tolkien mysteries as a series. We think it'd be fun, because yeah. Yeah, there are uh, plenty. If, yeah. if you like it, swing by the Discord, Like, let us know. Yeah, yeah, hit us up. Uh, let us know some of your favorite Tolkien mysteries, and maybe, just maybe, we'll cover them in one of these further Tolkien mysteries episodes. But yeah, that's pretty much all we got for today. What do we got next week, Joel? So next week is going to be episode 78, and this is going to be the first episode of our trilogy. Yes, yes, for this yes. Run. And this trilogy is going to be titled assholes throughout the ages yeah i'm really excited for this this trilogy okay so this is gonna be fun so So, next yeah the premise of this is that we picked it's three character profiles yes one asshole from each age. one asshole from each age of first second and third yes and we're starting off with the ultimate cousin fucker <laughs> Maglin, that Maglin. piece of shit, Maglin, uh, asshole of the first age, Maglin. So tune in next week for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks uh, for listening to KOT Podcast, guys. Yeah, and a big thank you to our patrons as always. Uh, go and subscribe on Patreon to help support us. You can also get some additional content while you're there. That'll be patreon.com forward slash KOT Podcast. Help us bring some content your way at the same level of quality that you've come to love. We also do private one-time donations if a subscription service is not your thing. Uh, So hit us up. We have PayPal and other payment services. We can make it happen. We just appreciate any way you're willing to support us. Yeah, it's super awesome when you guys do that. Thank you so much for the people that have done that in the past. Um, Also, subscribe to us on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, and, uh, and or iTunes subscribe on all of them just subscribe uh it's and that would be www.www so many w's www.thatwebsite.com slash keep on tolkien yes stay up to date with all of our new episodes and uh yeah rate our uh uh, rate and give us a nice review if you like us if you don't tell them what to do trevor you can just move on your way yeah dude move along move along you don't need to worry about it (laughs) move along (laughs) move along and uh, don't forget social media. Follow us on Discord. Yeah, join the Discord. Link there, in description. Yeah, there's a, a a link in the description of pretty much everything we produce now. So join up to that Discord. You can talk to us directly. There's fun things to do on there. Check it out. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's at KOT Podcast. And uh, also go ahead and check us out on Facebook as well. That's facebook.com forward slash official keep on Tolkien. Don't forget to join the KOT talk group while you're there. Yeah, you can ask us questions and discuss uh, things with other listeners. Also follow us on Instagram at keep on Tolkien podcast. And don't forget to check out our new merch store featuring merch by the one and only Trevor here. Yeah, buddy. Yo. Go get your merch. Go represent. Yeah. Why don't you give them that URL, Trev? Oh, man. I'm so excited you asked me to do this. Because <laughs> it's, so, it's a mouthful. It's fun. Yeah, right. So that is keep-on-tolkien-podcast.tml.com. Woo. You got it. Woo. Swing on by there. Get some t-shirts. Other goodies. We'll be very thankful. Yeah, we would uh, appreciate that so, so much. And you'll be the coolest. You know, when we totally blow up, you'll be the coolest person on the block when right. you have the first You'll KOT. already have it on. One, yeah. of the, one of the first generation shafted shirts. Yeah, 
for a, a vintage shafted yeah <laughs> get it yeah you know it's coming yeah but i am and have been and will be danny j and i'm joel n and i'm trevor d and together who are we we are if not the only keep on mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, that was a mess. Can't do this to me. That was a mess. We're gonna leave it there. I think it's fucking hilarious. Let's leave it there. All right, Tuluva. Thanks for listening, guys. This was really fun.